One of my favorite things to do when I was a deacon in the seminary and that first year of my priesthood when I was still a student finishing my uh, degree was to celebrate mass with different uh, communities of religious sisters uh, throughout Rome. So Italian is the official language of Italy, of course, and Latin's the official language of the church, but for these international congregations on a practical level, English was their common language. And so they would invite the student priests and deacons uh, from the American seminary to come and celebrate mass for them and to preach. And so the first time I got to do that as a deacon uh, was during the season of Advent, and it was for the missionaries of charity. Those are Mother Teresa's sisters. And they had two different convents in Rome, and one of them was just uh, a couple blocks from our seminary. They ran a women's shelter there and a soup kitchen. And so I had been, over the course of the three years prior, to work at the soup kitchen several occasions. So I knew the sisters, and I loved the sisters. Great, joyful, holy women. And when you spend every one of your days doing nothing but works of mercy, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, sheltering the homeless, you, you get holy quick. You can't help it. So this was an impressive group of women that I had known for several years, wonderful sense of humor, and they loved seminarians. They loved priests. Uh, they really enjoyed having us around. And that first Advent Sunday, when I went to preach to them, I was terrified. And that was a strange experience because I wasn't really sure what I was afraid of, but I was afraid. I was not new to the deacon thing. I'd been a deacon for probably eight months by then. So I had preached a fair share of homilies um, and sometimes even to large groups of people. And this was going to be a very small group of people. There were maybe like eight, maybe 10 sisters there. And their mass in the morning is not open to the public. It's just the sisters. And it's very simple. They sing just with their voices. There's no furniture in the chapel. They all sit on the floor. Uh, there's no shoes. They're barefoot. It's, it's a very simple, very beautiful, very holy mass. And so why was I scared when I had preached to thousands before who I didn't know? Why was I afraid of this group of eight who I did know and who I knew to be kind? What did I think they were going to do? run me out of the chapel, stand up and denounce me, never speak to me again, laugh at me. Like, that's just craziness. And yet, I really was afraid. And what I was afraid of, what I was fearful of, was their holiness. It wasn't anything that they were going to do to me. I was just intimidated a bit by them, by the work they do, by the lives they live. And that was an experience that I would call fear. It's very different from like the fear of a horror movie or a suspense thriller. It's very different from a fear of heights or a fear of spiders. When you're worried about consequences, when you're worried about bad things that are gonna happen to you. That is fear, that's one kind of fear, but this is a different kind of fear. I wasn't worried about consequences 
or a bad thing that could happen to me. It was a sense of admiration that I called fear. And perhaps you've had that experience as well. When you meet someone you admire, when you encounter someone important, someone larger than life, there's a certain sense of trepidation there. There's a certain sense of fear. Not at all because of what the person's going to do to you or what might happen to you, but just to be in their presence is intimidating. This is what we mean by the fear of the Lord. It's a certain sense of wonder and awe in the presence of God. It's not fear that he's going to do something bad or that he's going to reject or that he's going to be angry. That's a different kind of fear. There are plenty of people that fear the Lord that way. There are plenty of people maybe that should fear the Lord that way. There was something in the gospel about unquenchable fire and, I mean. But that's not the fear that Isaiah is talking about in the first reading. Because he, prophesying about Jesus, says that the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of knowledge and a fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. Whatever the fear of the Lord is, it's meant to bring us delight and enjoyment. It's meant to make us more fully alive. We don't delight to recoil. We don't delight in anxiety. We don't delight in the face of anger. But we do delight in the fear of the Lord. And you see what that's paired up with there. A spirit of knowledge and a fear of the Lord and his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. To know God is to fear him in that second sense. The same way that I feared those sisters. To know God is to be overwhelmed by his goodness and his beauty and his truth. To know God is to have a sense of wonder and awe in his presence. And in that we can delight. That somehow makes us more fully alive. Even if you think about those human encounters that you may have had in your life, or that you have imagined, oh, if I ever got to meet so-and-so, I think I'd just die. There's a certain sense of wonder and awe in their presence, and yet, we fear more fully alive. That's the irony of saying, I think I would just die, when in fact we would feel so much more alive. To know the Lord is to fear the Lord. His delight shall be the fear of the Lord. And that's one of the tasks of Advent, is to come to know the Lord. That's why Jesus came so that we might know who God really is. And when we know God for who he is, when we encounter Jesus in the flesh, when he draws close to us, if we're really experiencing him, there will be fear. 
the good kind of fear. There will be wonder and awe at his goodness, his truth, and his beauty. And that's what we're going for. That's what we're hoping for. A lot of us, even those of us who bear the name Christian, don't know the Lord. We don't really know him. Maybe we know a few things about him. But we don't know him. He invites us to know him better, to know him more. If we find ourselves indifferent to the Lord, it is only because we don't know him. That's your little test. That's your litmus test. If I couldn't care less, then I don't know him. Because to know the Lord is to fear the Lord, to be overwhelmed by wonder and awe. Advent is a time for Christians to step back, to retreat a bit, and to really get to know the Lord. Not just to carry on with those little bits and pieces that we've accumulated over the years. Maybe I went to Catholic school or CCD when I was younger. I pay attention to about a third of every other homily. And I did read the Bible once. And we accumulate little bits and pieces. That is not to know the Lord. To know the Lord is to fear the Lord. To know the Lord is to love the Lord. I shall quote it till I'm blue in the face, the words of St. Augustine, that you cannot love what you do not know. And the more you know, the more you can love. That's the goal here. When the scriptures encourage us towards fear of the Lord, they're encouraging greater intimacy, greater closeness with the Lord. Not to cower in that kind of fear, in terror, to run away, but to come closer. The goal of Advent, the purpose of Jesus coming to earth, is so that we can really know who God is, so that we can really love him. The next line from Isaiah is pretty important too, because it tells us a little bit about what God is going to be like this prophet, this Messiah, whom the Spirit of the Lord has come upon. It says, not by appearance shall he judge, nor by hearsay shall he decide. Jesus came because he knows us. God who created us, who formed us in the womb, who's known us from the beginning, who knows the secrets and the depths of our hearts, God knows us. And to know you is to love you. And so he desires to be close to you. We sing it in Christmas songs all the time about love that's come down from heaven. Why on earth would he come except to be close to the ones he loves? 
He doesn't judge you by your appearances. He doesn't decide about you based on hearsay, on what other people say or what other people see. But he sees each one of you as you truly are. To know is to love. That's the purpose of Christmas as well. St. Augustine went on to say that the greatest desire of every human heart is to love and to be loved. To know and to be known. And so... Until we love and are loved, until we know and are known, we shall always remain unfulfilled. We'll never quite get what we're looking for or get to the place we're going. There'll always be something missing. That's why St. Paul, when he speaks of heaven, says that we shall, be know, we shall know even as we're known. At first glance, that doesn't seem so exciting. Come to heaven. We'll give you all the information in the world, especially during exam week. We're not really thinking that we need more information. That doesn't sound appealing. It's not just about knowing information. That's not how you know a person. It's to know and to be known, to love and to be loved. So how can you be better known by God? God knows everything. All right, I'm on board with that. God is omniscient. But God is also not violent. God's not going to bust into your brain and read your mind, because that would just be rude. God wants you to speak to him. God wants you to reveal yourself to him. Does he need you to do that? No. But that's how he wants it to happen. Because he doesn't want this to be a relationship of a manipulation. He doesn't want to come violently into your life. He wants to be invited. And so how can you allow yourself to be better known by God? How can you allow yourself to be better known by your neighbor? How can you allow yourself to be better known by yourself? Because we fake it a lot, just in general. We put on a really good show for a lot of different people, and sometimes even for ourselves, to a point that if we stepped back, we would wonder if anyone really does know us. I put on such a show, I'm not even sure that anyone knows the real me. They know the Instagram version of me. They know the Facebook version of me. They know what I want them to know, but they don't know me. And then the next thought that comes after that is, then I'm not really sure if anyone loves me. Am I really loved? Because I'm not really known. We kid ourselves as well. We look in the mirror and put on a show. 
And when the Lord says that we should love our neighbor as ourselves, we step back and wonder how much we love ourselves. To know and to be known is part of our Advent journey. So what show are you putting on that needs to have the curtain called? Be done. If you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't like what you see, you don't want to be known, I shall refer you to last week's homily on the Sacrament of Reconciliation. There's something you can do about that. To know God and to be known by God. To know our neighbor and to be known by them. To know ourselves is to grow in love of God, neighbor, and self. And that's what we mean when we say that love came down at Christmas. So, this is our Advent journey. This is our Advent goal. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because if you remember the first line from Isaiah... It was the spirit of the Lord that shall rest upon him. A spirit of wisdom and of understanding. A spirit of counsel and of strength. A spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. So you need the Holy Spirit. He's not just for Pentecost, folks. The Holy Spirit has to be part of our Advent journey as well. He's the main character in the gospel today as well. John the Baptist says, I'm baptizing you with water for repentance, but the one who's coming after me is mightier than I. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Allow yourselves to be caught on fire by the Holy Spirit. Allow the fire of the Holy Spirit's light to cast out darkness in your life, in your family, in your friendships. He's not just for Pentecost, he's for Advent too. Ask the Holy Spirit for greater wisdom and understanding and knowledge and right judgment and courage and reverence so that for you too, your delight might be the fear of the Lord. Our Advent journey is an Advent towards love. And so it must be a journey towards knowledge. May the Holy Spirit bless you with new and deeper knowledge of yourself, of your neighbor, and especially of your God.